though I would ask Tian, please, could you come? Since I'm here. <laughs> could you pray for me before? Could you pray for me before I speak the word? Father God, we do. It is just such a joy and a privilege to preach the word. And I pray not only for Valadimer to preach the word, Lord, which on behalf of the church, just want to say, is tricky in a, another language. Lord God, would you give him the grace to preach? Lord, would you give him, give him just the, uh, the confidence, not in himself, not in his English grammar, but in your spirit? By your spirit, would you speak to your church through your word, Lord, that your word would be held high and that you would move upon our hearts, Lord, believers and unbelievers alike, Lord, that we might bow before you, say, Jesus is king, Lord God. Use this man, use this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Well, greetings. Everyone, peace and grace to you in our Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm so glad to see so many of you today in this meeting place, and that's actually the best place to be. You know, being in the church for so many years, I just can't figure out what do you do on Sunday mornings if you don't go to church. I mean, like, this is just must-have, uh, and... Uh, First of all, I give you greetings from uh, uh, Full Gospel Church Hosanna back in Rivne City, which is in the western part of Ukraine. And uh, greetings from all the members of the church and the great staff of leadership that I have uh, around me during this time. During this time of trouble, uh, you know, when Christian reached me to tell me that... Um, uh, I'm invited to come to you here at Titusville and preach in your church. Uh, he said, like, could you preach on, uh, on how, what, what, what helps you to go on during the times like this, being in the country that is torn by war? And um, I thought, how should I, what title should I put to the message that I have in my heart today? And it's like... Yeah, maintaining sanity in the face of the looming danger. Because this is something that uh, we as uh, Christians um, and Ukrainian nation as a whole experience uh, continually. This uh, uh, feeling of danger, fear, uh, lack of safety. And it has um, this, this condition, this feeling had um, different stages like from the beginning of full-scale invasion of Russia to up until now. We are in, um, in, the, in the season today of this war that some people say the situation is worse than it used to be at the beginning of when it all happened because at the beginning, yeah, yes, it was a surprise attack. Yes, it was... Uh, horrible. Yes, it was uh, really overwhelming, but in the same time, as the body gets the adrenaline rush in the times of danger, and you are capable of doing things you thought you are not capable of, so like the whole nation 
just, you know, united and the whole nation volunteered and the whole nation fought back and um, there were some results. Those results, you know, Russians um, stepped back from Kiev, Russians stepped back from Kharkiv, that's the second largest city in Ukraine, stepped back from Kherson. Those were like big victories, but nobody really has any reasonable explanation why it all happened. Because if you look at the whole, you know, power that is, um, that Russia has, um, they could easily kind of continue to just crush it in, you know. They would continue, could easily use those missiles that they've used over the past two years, shooting and, you know, launching at our territory. They could have done that like the first months of war and everything would be over, but somehow it didn't happen. But over the two years, um, things changed in a way that um, the war is still there. Uh, Many people have died. So that's the reality. Many people have died. Um, We don't know for sure the numbers. We're told the numbers of the adversaries, you know, who who were killed. And it's over 400,000 today that Russians that were killed in our soil, and we have hundred thousands, I don't know how many, I, I wouldn't say those numbers because I don't know, but I know that there are over 60,000 uh, wounded soldiers who are missing limbs today. Uh, there are like seven, 8,000 wounded every week, and it, it's, it's a horrible toll, and it takes, and you know, people, people live with this reality because those are your Relatives, those are your friends that uh, are being killed. And uh, in our church, we have, uh, we have a list of about, I think, 30-plus uh, people that we kind of continually pray for. Uh, ten of those are our church members uh, who actually volunteered to go from the first days. And thank God they all been spared and saved. And they are still fighting, but um, but they are safe, and they are they are life safe and not and, and not wounded. That's that's a big grace of God. And in the same time, you know, there is a whole this fatigue in the world. Like, come on, Ukraine, we have our own troubles here. You know, why do we have to help them out and so on? But and then and then we as nation, we see that um, we really, I mean, we can fight, but we need help. We can't do it without the help of the world. And so it always presents this danger. You live, you live, in, you live in this constant roller coaster, I would say, emotionally. It's a roller coaster. Sometimes you, you're up and then you're, you're fast down. And then like even today, this morning, I, I listened to uh, my online service back at home in our church, which is also amazing how, how, you know, people get around the world like every hour, all over the world to praise the Lord, to preach the gospel, to come together around the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's amazing. And, and, but, and, and, and the brother in the service, um, he just mentioned this, uh, <laughs> this news. That's what haunts us, you know, <laughs> all these news. It's just... Take this thing out and 
Ah, all the bad news you can find. I mean, they're hunting you. And he said that if, you know, with, with that lack of ammunition that we have now and the manpower that we have now, we basically can, in the next half uh, a year, can lose another, this second largest city in Ukraine, Kharkiv, to Russians. And it's a bad news if you think about it. But, um, so what do we do? What do we do? What do we do when uh, there is an imminent danger from all sides? And you being a Christian in this time there, uh, there may be many questions. Like, first of all, why did it all happen? Why did it all happen anyway? I mean, do, do you suffer for Christ's name? That's not the suffering for Christ's name. Uh, do you suffer as a result of something you did? Well, basically not. There are talks that try to present some sufferings in our lives as the, you know, as the result of your choice, but nobody wants to deal with a bully. And they'd rather talk to you as a victim saying you have to forgive, you have to, you know, you have to be silent, uh, it's your problem. Nobody talks to the bully. And so today we have those sufferings which we didn't want, didn't inflict on ourselves, just somebody outside decided that he has right to do it and he just do it. And he just do it. And um, so questions, questions that people may have, even Christians. <laughs> questions about those who left and questions about those who went overseas who took the opportunity to flee the country. There is also a tension in that area. And then when you're done with all these kind of issues I already mentioned, then there is this overwhelming need that you see around. Because if you are Christ's servant, first of all, you realize that you are Christ's hands in action in this world. So if he wanted, wanted to do something in this world, he basically uses you. If you think, you know, like Stephen, Apostle Stephen, not Apostle, but uh, Deacon of the first church. I just picked that line from my fellow minister in my church. <laughs> he shared it today, and he said, like, you know, Stephen, he was there on the verge of dying, and people were throwing stones at him. And he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he saw what? Heaven opened, and there was Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And the question is, like, where was Jesus for the people around? Like, where, where is Jesus? why Stephen has to be stoned. But for Stephen, I guess, when he saw Jesus there, the right hand of the Father, I think he saw Jesus standing like this. That's what I like to think, like with an open arms, ready to embrace him. Well done, my faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Because Stephen, he didn't consider his life uh, valuable in the face of, like, when there is a choice whether you lose your life or 
gain your life. And it all depends whether you uh, reject Christ or you stand for Christ. He chose to stand for Christ, even if it means death. So he faced danger and he didn't retrieve from that. He went and met it face to face and entered glory. I like that uh, phrase that you use here when you talk about death. Entered glory. Entered glory. And um, when uh, Christian, you know, texted me about coming here and what I may say about what helps us to go on, I'd like us to read Psalm 27. I think this psalm depicts very vividly uh, what we today are going through and uh, what uh, you as the follower of Christ go through in life in different dimensions, measures, uh, you know, facets of life, uh, but, but we all go that way. I mean, I, I don't want any one of you to experience what Ukrainian nation is experiencing right now. God forbid. You don't need that. Nobody needs that. But it just happens. And some go through those things. And how to stand firm. How to stand firm. And I love this song. It's, it's, uh, it, it's basically self-explanatory most of the time. And i just like to read it and make some comments on the way. So, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Thou an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Thou war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Now I'll pause here. Because that like literally depicts what we were facing. What we were facing. But it all starts with, uh, with a statement that David makes. And I... I just want you to think about it. It's David. Who is David? Well, first of all, he is a not New Testament believer. He doesn't know the doctrine of grace. He doesn't know Jesus, the Son of God, had been sent by God to this world because God so loved the world. You know, I, I, today it's interestingly enough, but I meet many people that... Think in a way, okay, Old Testament, that was, uh, I mean, it had God who was mean and uh, uh, stern and uh, uh, cruel. And the New Testament, you've got Jesus. And he's good, he's nice, he's pleasant, he loves you, he, he does nothing bad in your life, everything is, should be fine with you. But this is David who lived in the Old Testament times. And he, knew th- and he knew things which makes me to want to learn from him. How did he learn those things? And so he says, the Lord is my light. 
The Lord is my light. I mean, do we all like light? Yes, we like light. We want to live with lights. You know, last year when we had uh, our infrastructure object hit but by missiles, uh, when our anti-missile systems didn't, were not in place, didn't work well and so on, so we didn't have electricity in our homes. We didn't have electricity in our church facility. Uh, and it's, it's not good to live without light. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have a daylight, but if it's winter as it was then, and the, the daylight is short and, and it's cold, uh, colder than here, and, uh, and that's not a good feeling. So we, what else happens when we are in the dark? When, when we are in the dark, we actually, we don't have a right perspective of everything that surrounds us. We don't, we don't know how things actually looks like. And that's the place where we can imagine. Oh, we can imagine a lot of things. We can imagine awful things. We can imagine good things. But, but we can imagine. And when it's dark, you don't know. You don't know where you go. You don't know the direction. You don't know what objects are on the way. You don't know where, where to turn. That's why David brings this... Uh, not a metaphor. He brings this um, example. Okay, it's the Lord is my light. In his light, there is literal phrase in the Bible, in his light I see the light. Even though I am... Here in the room filled with light, but it's only in His light that I see things properly. It's only in His light that I can see the way which I have to choose and to be upon. It is in His light that I see life right. And that's why He says, He is my light. And then He says, the Lord is my stronghold. He is my salvation. And then, and then He he finishes this sentence, the Lord is my light, He's my salvation. That means I need salvation. I'm not exempt from salvation. We all need salvation. I mean, do we, are we comfortable? It doesn't matter. We need salvation. Are we confident in ourselves? It doesn't matter. We need salvation. We are people who are in need of saving powers in our lives. Saving power of God. And he says, the Lord is my salvation. And then he ends up in this sentence like, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? That talks about ever-present reason to fear. There is an enemy. There is somebody who just, I mean, he doesn't care about what you feel, which is very much very well explained or portrayed today in Ukraine, for example. There is an enemy who doesn't care what you think, who doesn't care what you feel, who doesn't care how painful it is for you. He just wants to do what he wants to do. Steal, kill, and destroy. And knowing that, so, so David does not live in the, in the reality in which he says, okay, there is, there is nothing there that can harm me. He understands there are things there that can harm him. But he says, I will not fear them because the Lord is my light, shows me the way. In his light, I see things properly, and the Lord is my salvation. And then he says, 
strengthening the thoughts as we know psalms are. They are poetry, but they don't work in stanzas. They, they work in, you know, they work in the thought that is repetitive all along the text. And he says, whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is stronghold of my life. The fortress. So he, know, he knew something about where to flee when there is danger. And then he says about different levels. Different levels of danger. Different levels of danger. He says there are evildoers, evildoers and uh, adversaries, foes. Okay, maybe I would say this is the... We may like some people, some people, people may like us. We may dislike somebody, somebody may dislike us. Some people may have some offenses against us. So that kind of thing, that kind of level of resistance, you know, foes, evildoers. That's one thing, but then he continues on. He says that, well, they will stumble and fall. Then he says, thou and an army encamp against me. That's what actually was... Really evident in Ukraine before 24th of February 2022, two years ago, exactly these dates. Because prior to that, you have Russian armies encamped around our borders. And we were like, hmm, hmm, yes, no, yes, no. The whole world said yes. And we, till the end, we didn't want to believe it. That's why we said no. But it didn't help. Self-denial doesn't help. <laughs> if you don't make yourself ready, I mean, you will suffer from, from that um, neglect, neglection yeah, of the danger. So, but he says, so David went through these kind of things. He said, I will not be afraid. My heart shall not fear. And then he says, the war arise against me, yet I will be confident. So, when he's talking about danger, he's talking about real things. And the war is not just army encamped. This is an actual assail, attack, invasion, destruction, death, and everything that comes with it. And not only like army fighting armies. This time and day in Ukraine, we're talking about just army destroying civil uh, population and raising all cities from the face of the earth. That's what they are doing. And so when he talks about war, I mean, he, he, he knows what he's talking about. David fought wars. And he fought them like face to face in the close combat with the sword in his hand. His hands were in blood. To the extent that when he wanted to build the, the house of the Lord, the temple, the Lord said, no. Yeah, it's like, I love you, that's all right. <laughs> but no, not you. You have too much blood in your hands. Your son, peaceful man, will do it. And, you know, so out of these three verses, we have the choice that we always have to make. So what do we believe? Do we believe the truth of God or do we believe the lies of the enemy? Do you believe the truth of God, which is in the light, which is in the way that God directs you through his word and through his character, the way he disclosed himself in the scriptures? Or do you believe lies, which is always abound in the darkness? When you abandon the light, 
you'll receive lies. And if you follow lies, the result of it is pain. It's always like that. Because if I were to say to you that this building is, I mean, all the doors are locked, even though they are not, but if you would believe me and wouldn't even try, and you would just think, okay, how do we organize our life here in this building? We cannot get out, you know? It's all locked. But that's lie. And then it produces pain and hurt and loss. So, truth versus lies, light versus dark, darkness, faith versus fear. And then he says this very strange thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. And if we were to pause here and not knowing what he says afterwards, we can do that. What will you seek in such a times like this when the war rises against you? What, would we, what should we think in Ukraine? Like, I mean, yes, we want victory. We want our enemies be, you know, pushed back. And we want our cities rebuilt. And we want to flee to safety for our own soul. But he says this strange thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Mind you, there is no temple. There is no Jerusalem at that time. Because David captured Jerusalem. And there was perhaps, you know, at that time there was, a, there was an ark. Perhaps there was a tent, but not like in the days of perhaps Moses, we know that there was an ark. They took it as their, you know, token to their battles, and they lost those battles to Philistines. So that we know. So what, it, what David talks about, somehow he could experience God's presence where he was. Somehow he knew that the whole Israel had to be gathered in one place where the presence of God uh, was commanded by him like, there you go, there you meet, there you hear my word, there you worship me. He knew those things, but he experienced God in a very uh, vivid, practical way on his own. And, and, that, and he says, in, in, in the face of this danger, of all these enemies and foes, I ask of God just one thing. I want to be in his house. I want to gaze at his beauty. Yeah, we can gaze at the ugliness of this world. We do that very well. <laughs> we analyze it. <laughs> we look at it from many different angles through all the news analysis and our, our, our imagination and everything. We look at the ugliness and the darkness of the world, but this will not help us out. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus the beauty of his heart, the beauty of his character, the faithfulness of his character, Amen. the prevailing, um, I don't know, importance of the eternity that he's calling us to. Perhaps we'll attain Stephen who, who would gladly receive his death here saying, Lord, do not count it as sin to them because I'm, I'm entering glory. Actually, I don't mind. I don't mind. I'm entering glory. He saw the glory. He saw the beauty of God. 
And it's so important for us to be able to fix our eyes on Jesus, to have our own personal experience of His presence in our lives, His faithfulness, to believe His Word. And so, dwell in the house of the Lord. He says, this is one thing that I will seek. Is that the thing we seek? So he was not so much looking for protection, but he was talking about his affection. Affection that he has with God. It was, a, it was an affectionate love that he had for God. Knowing that God loves him. Knowing that God is faithful, true, and just. And uh, so what drives our affections in life? That's the question we have to ask ourselves from time to time. Because we tend to drift away. We tend to let our affections be in, in things, not in Him. You know, recently I spoke in my church about the idol worshiping. Like, how do we... I mean, basically we make idols. We are those who make idols. Like that Israel nation, you know, when Moses was up there for 40 days, they didn't know what happened with him. They came to Aaron and they said, Make us a god. So they actually made it themselves. And they, they said, it's our God. So, safety or faithfulness? Another question. Safety or faithfulness? What are we looking for? So what, what helps us to go on in Ukraine? You know, in Matthew 24, Jesus depicts in the parable things that uh, that talks about the last days before he comes he says that the kingdom of god is like when the master leaves his house and he appointed somebody a servant in his house to take care of the household and he said that blessed is that servant that when the master returns he finds him doing exactly that and um you know, we decide that we'd rather have Jesus, when he returned, find us doing what he entrusted us with. So if he called us for such a times as this, and those are dark times, and those are times where there is ever-present danger, and uh, we, we will keep on doing what he called us to do. We will keep on praising God. Right. We'll keep on preaching the gospel. And we'll keep on take care for the people. And help us, Lord, in this. And so, my time is running up. And I will go to this um, verses 8 and 10 of this um, of this psalm he says oh seven hear O lord when i cry aloud be gracious to me and answer me and you have said seek my face and my heart says to you your face lord do i seek so and this is this is what we are 
destined to do, brothers and sisters, is to seek his face, is to dwell in his house, is to do his will. That's what we were called to do. And, and even though, if you read the rest of the psalm, there may be some doubts that we may have. There may be some doubts that, as he says, you know, turn not your servant, turn not your servant away in anger. Hide not your face from me, or you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not off. We may have some doubts as humans at times, whether God hears us or not. But that doesn't change his character. He's faithful. He's there for you. And as Jesus said, Father, or God, why have you forsaken me? But then he said, Father, in your hands I commit my spirit. Perhaps as a human, uh, there on the cross, he, he, he didn't feel God's presence the way he used to all the days of his earthly life. But Definitely he, he was sure that God is there. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And so, yeah, may you be blessed. May you be strengthened in the beauty of our Lord, of his character, of his love, of his faithfulness. May you walk in the light of him in your life. May He direct your ways and paths. May your affection be in Him who loved you to death, and even death on the cross. That what helps us to keep on going, and that what will help you in any circumstances given in your life. Because, yeah, I, you know, when, when, you are in, when you are in these situations, like looking everywhere in the world and see brothers in Colombia, see brothers in another state, <laughs> see in Ukraine. And there is this human tendency that we have. You know, we, we, we tend to compare ourselves. Higher, lower, bigger, smaller, more active, passive. Forget about it. Because everyone is going through what He's going, and it's a reality, present reality for everyone. But hearing all those reports, what we can do, we can realize that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one big family, and we can pray for one for another. We can pray for one for another. If we have any practical ways of giving help, let's do it. Because that's what he has called us to do. And may, when he comes, he finds us doing just that, to be faithful in whatever he entrusted us with. Bless you, Trinity Community Church. Love you, and really humbled and um, privileged with this opportunity to share the word with you. God bless. Of, of course, I will pray. <laughs> Father God, Father God, I, I, I'm so thankful, Lord, that... You are here present. I'm so thankful, Jesus, that those words that you said where two or three of you are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of you. And those are not just the words that you said for, for the sake of saying those. You, that was a promise. And this is the promise we experience right here. Your presence. And thank you that this presence of yours, the presence of yours in your house, 
the church, it draw us here. And may that be our desire, Lord, to be drawn to your house. May this, will, may this be what we desire and seek most of all is to seek your face. Because that's you who answered David, seek my face. That's what you tell us today, seek my face. And Lord, you'll, you'll be found by us. Wherever we start seeking your face, Lord, you'll be found by us because you're not far from us. You are here. You're in our hearts through your Holy Spirit, by which we were, Lord, secured for eternity. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you for eternity. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for delivering us from that haunting past and guilt and shame that we were clothed us off on in our lives. Thank you that you healed us, Lord, from the rebellion of our souls in which we went our own ways and walked in darkness, not knowing on which we will stumble next. Lord, thank you for the light you've given us. Let us walk in your light. Let us love you even more. Because you've loved us first. Bless this church of yours. This wonderful family of your sons and daughters. Lord, cover with your grace each and every one on all their walks of life. Be with them close, Lord. Let they not be afraid of any enemy, foe, or adversary. Lord, let all those who stand against your people, may they stumble and fall, Lord. But may your people stand firm in the grace, proclaiming the love and victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you be glorified in this house, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.